Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. everybody it's Nikki here I just want to say thank you so much for all your support over this year 2021 I know many of you find Christmas a challenge because you've written to me and emailed me and messaged me to say that you're worried about some of the conversations you're going to be having at Christmas so in this interview Jampier and I just have a really good discussion conversation with some tips as we go through so grab a pen and paper enjoy your Christmas as best you can And again, just thank you for being here, listening, and enjoy the next 50 minutes. Have a great day. We're just talking just before I press record around Christmas and communicating at Christmas. And you were telling me a story about Brussels sprouts. So I just wanted I was, and I was, I was just saying that this morning I'd remembered an incident and I can't, it's quite hazy because it was like ages ago. I think it was when I'd first, you know, I'd got young children and I'd got my mum coming for Christmas. And, you know, obviously now with hindsight, there must've been stuff for her too, but we had this argument about peeling Brussels sprouts and the way that you did it. And I was not what I think the thing that got her was that I wasn't making I thought it was I wasn't scoring you know the bottom of the I wasn't doing crosses like that I was just chopping them off and oh my goodness that came in that became so personal about you know about me and how I did things and how it was sloppy and and you know not that she actually said that but it was like past history that all came together in this Brussels sprout you know (laughs) And I look back now and it's funny, but at the time it was, um, it was horrendous. And I felt so upset. It ruined my Christmas, yeah. it really ruined my Christmas. So I, I really get how, you know, difficult it is um, for people having other people in their homes. And particularly when they've got small children and so many other things, because then of course, you've also got the pressure of being judged about how you're parenting your small children and whether you let them stay up or you don't let them stay up or, um, yeah, lots of extra pressure at Christmas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're talking today about Christmas. Oh, I can't put my teeth in specifically. We've got 12 days. And for some people, it's 12 days of joy running up to Christmas. And for others, it's 12 days of a nightmare running up to Christmas and all those plans. But just before we have a a bit of a deeper delve into that, especially around children as well, because I know your background is with children. Just tell us a little bit about who you are. Obviously, I know who you are. You'll nip about. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where we can uh, find you if people would like to hear more about uh, what you've got to say. Okay, so my name is Jampia, and I blame my mother for that. It's a very um, extraordinary, unusual name, but it's like Ampia with a J on the front. <laughs> and um, I run a company called Nip About, which nips about the UK providing um, childcare for conferences, exhibitions, festivals, corporate events, basically anywhere where people need children looked after for a short period of time. And that's children right from naught right up to to 17. Um, Quite often people think, oh, it must be little children, but it's not, it's right up to 17. In fact, we've even looked after children aged, well, they're not children at all, but young people aged sort of 
21, 22, when their parents have come from abroad and you know they don't know where to go or what to do. So we've taken them out, Cambridge, Oxford, those sorts of places and shown them Britain. Um, these are people who've come from America and things like that. So yes, it's a very diverse job that I do um, and very fun. Um, and I'm also hugely interested in early years and neuroscience and the way the brain develops and passionate about communication. And um, since I had my own children and since I started doing this work, I all my settings are run with no punishments, no rewards, um, non-labeling, uh, the words no and don't, we train our staff not to use those words to try and tell children what they can do rather than what they can't do. Um, and what's really exciting at the moment is this sort of stuff is taking off. Um, back in the 90s, I was this weird, wacky woman, you know, <laughs> let children do as they like and no discipline at all. And, and even my staff used to go, oh, my gosh. Um, but what's so amazing is if you just bring it down to feelings and emotion and ask people, well, as you know, how they're feeling, you don't need all that coercive control. You know, when we're, when we're praising children, it's all about coercive control, trying to make them do. And that's one thing that I really feel uncomfortable about, about Christmas, is that there's a lot of, you know, if you're good, you'll get things. And if you're bad, you won't get things. And these little elves, I, I sit with me very uncomfortable. Have you seen these elves that, that are very kind of fashionable at the moment? Are they the ones you have in your house? Or? Yes. So, so what happens, I think, is that the elves are supposed to take on the, the naughtiness of the children. So the, the parent gets the elves and makes the elves do kind of funny, mischievous things. And I can understand it's, it, it's fun. Um, but I do find the whole thing about, you know, good and bad mm. um, sits uncomfortably with me. And particularly at Christmas, I hear a lot at the moment of, you know, if you're not good, you won't get, Santa won't come. And you can see the children go, ooh. But then the other side of that as well is most of the year we tell them, you know, not to talk to strangers and to look out for them. And then they're saying, oh, there's this old man with a beard and a suit. He's going to come in your room. <laughs> it's like, oh, my children used to hate it. So we always had our stockings at the bottom, you know, by the fireplace. Well, yeah. My son just would not want some old guy creeping into his room in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never really looked at it from that perspective I remember as a child just being super excited about Christmas well some people find it really scary and, yeah. and, and particularly at the moment with all the you know the sort of safeguarding message that everyone gets you know the idea of having some white bearded old guy creep into your room in the middle of the night is 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 quite scary for some kids hmm. yeah that's a fair and valid point so let's let's talk about Christmas Brussels sprouts I love your story about Brussels sprouts always make it because I remember peeling the Brussels sprouts as a as a child and putting that little cross at the at the end of the Brussels sprout. Oh, you did it, did you? Oh. Yeah. But that's when I was like my mum and dad for Christmas. And it's interesting about traditions, isn't it, at Christmas? Yeah. So, and belief systems mm. around how you spend all your years in a in a Christmas environment. So for us, Christmas Day in the morning, my mum and dad used to go and uh, have a drink with the neighbours just for like half an hour, an hour or so. And me and my sister always ended up peeling the sprouts. It's funny, these things that you remember. I'm sure my mum and dad would have a completely different perspective on it if, we, if they were here having the conversation with me. And um, so that's why I was laughing about sprouts because I, 
even now, me and my sister always take the mickey out of my mum and dad and go, oh yeah, you went off and had a really lovely Christmas morning. Oh, you left us <laughs> like killing the sprouts, you know, hard done by kids. And actually, we weren't at all. But that's probably how it felt. Yeah. yeah. How it felt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, although it was a good excuse for me and my sister then to just watch TV and whatever we wanted on the telly before we yeah. had the Christmas lunch. But it is interesting how firm these traditions stick with people. And then when you get when you become a, a couple or a family unit with other people, suddenly either your home is completely invaded by people that you, you don't know and perhaps actually don't like, or you go somewhere else and spend a day that's supposed to be a joyous day with a, a group of people you don't necessarily know or don't like. And it's and it's fascinating how these beliefs play out in family scenarios and and what you believe is true and the right way to have Christmas and it's also quite anxiety making when you go to someone else's house I think so I know you know it, it's quite important I think as the guest to try to relieve all that anxiety and one of the things that I think helps is information and communication mm-hmm. because um, I don't know about you but when I've been to people's houses you're, you're kind of like thinking oh you know you want to be it's Christmas you want to be a good guest but then you're worried about doing something perhaps isn't what they were expecting you to do so you know you I know I'm quite often on eggshells around that and particularly with small children because you know what are their children allowed to do you know oh oh gosh their children all having sweets I don't give my children sweets or we don't you know when do you open your Christmas presents do their children rip all the presents off and our children perhaps have to wait till after lunch or do you know what I mean everybody has got these different things so I think it, the, the, the key for me is about communication. So whenever I have guests, I would say, right, look, what are your traditions? What do you like to do? Okay, well, ours are these, but let's see how we can compromise so that everyone's feeling comfortable and, and we do it, you know, all together. So we used to share Christmas sometimes with a family that did used to do that with all their, you know, first thing in the morning. It wasn't just the stockings. It was absolutely everything. And if it wasn't all open by 11, whereas we traditionally did stockings, and then we did, um, you know, maybe one present each. And then and, and we always go to church on Christmas Day as well. Um, and then after Christmas, sorry, after lunch, then we open all the rest of the presents from the family. Well, that obviously, if you're not used to that, is a really long time to wait. Mm. So we came to a thing which my children loved was, OK, we'll let, you know, some of the presents get open before lunch and we will let sort of the lesser presents from aunties and uncles and things be opened after lunch so that's how we came to a kind of good compromise about it but I think if you aren't talking and communicating and and sort of explaining and asking questions that's when ruffled feelings start to happen and where you know the, the person that you would have wanted to have had a good time ends up feeling really kind of uncomfortable yeah, that, and that's a brilliant point. And that's, uh, so I'll just note that down if you're listening, just write that, this down. That, that first point is communication upfront. So yeah. managing people's expectations rather than waiting until they arrive and then everybody's sitting really uncomfortably and thinking, what am I supposed to do? And of course the kids won't get it, will they? They'll be like, well, why, why are we not opening our presents? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. What's going on? Absolutely. And so my friend used to have to sit her friends down and say, now look, you know, we're at Jampia's and they, do things differently so we're not going to open them all at once and that's like what yeah so we're going to try and and actually it was a brilliant compromise because for her point of view her children then paced it 
because afterwards, usually after by 11 o'clock, there was nothing else to look forward to. Mm. Whereas here they had it spaced out and my children who perhaps wanted to open them a bit more quickly were allowed to open them a bit yeah. more quickly. So it was a really great, you know, a really great compromise. Yeah, and that's brilliant. And that also allows people to have control because sometimes when we don't have control or we don't know what's going to happen, that emotional brain, and I know we'll talk about this because especially with children as well, trying to express feelings that they, they don't know the words for and having um, emotions coming out in different ways like frustration and anger or what we perceive as bad behaviour, and I inverted that deliberately. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so but even as an adult, if you're going somewhere and you're, you're unsure what will happen is your emotional brain will kick in, which will try and protect you from looking stupid in front of other people. And it all becomes this big drama rather than a day where it's, yeah. you know, it's supposed to be fun and about having fun. And, and the other thing with that, there was two things that you mentioned them, you know, it's like, um, I think it's really important to mention that, you know, your inverted commas bad behavior is, yeah. is actually anxiety. And it's the same thing that we as adults have. We're insecure. We're not sure what's going on. We don't know what people want of us. And so the children have got that extra pressure where they've probably been told now you need to be really good. You know, it's all of that. And um, so there's that extra pressure. And then there's the other thing where, you know, people have a few drinks and then, you know, things that maybe they've been sitting on might come out in a way that necessarily, you know, and, and big arguments happen at Christmas. You know, I think, isn't it the 27th of December that's supposed to be the biggest divorce rate day? Did, have you heard that? No, I haven't. The last yeah, I, I, think, I think it's the 27th or the 28th, but some point between Christmas and New Year that has the biggest rate of separations ever. I'll have to Google it and find out, but but that's a fact. That's an actual thing. Yeah. And also, of course, um, domestic abuse goes up hugely, doesn't it, around Christmas? Yeah, it's the um, because you're all off together. So people mm -hmm. that you know, if you've got both parents working and the routine of the kids at school, suddenly that routine's gone. You're spending time, far much more time than you would do normally. And you'll probably find if one, if one of you is normally the person that sorts the kids out picks them up from school you'll have your routine and then that routine's out the window then the partner comes in and might start suggesting that the routine should be slightly different and you'll be like hang on a sec I've been doing this all year don't don't come and tell me how how to run the routine and then you'll have perhaps the in-laws or other family members and as you say they'll be like that's not what you should do with your child and start giving advice and that pressure that started to boil suddenly after a few drinks tiredness yeah do you know what I've just had a sort of epiphany hmm. I wonder if it's because it, it's back to that thing of around Christmas it's we're all telling children or not me but you know lots of people are telling them they've got to be good haven't they yeah and we we remember that from our own childhood it's suddenly really important that we've all got to be pleasant to each other we've all got to be nice to each other and we've got to be good and we've got to be seen to be good so when we're in other people's houses, we've got this extra pressure on us. So it's all back down to anxiety, isn't it? That's what it is, it's anxiety. We're anxious about being good enough because a little bit of us thinks, oh, we're actually, maybe we're not gonna be good enough and maybe we won't get the presence or people's love or approval, whatever it is that we need. Um, and that maybe that's why Christmas is so intense because right from childhood, We've had that message put into us that at Christmas you need to be really extra, especially good at everything. 
does that make sense that makes perfect sense so again i'm just going to ask people to jot that down so that's point number two point number two is we ha already have a preconceived idea which has been instilled in us since a very early age a belief system that a we're supposed to be super good around the christmas period time um, and a specific way of behaving on the christmas day itself and that's really interesting because if when i reflect on my own life and and different people that i've been with in different relationships at this time i wonder how many conversations start the day off like this could you just be kind or okay to them for one day one day i'm asking for one day and already there's that pressure of i have to behave in a specific way for for this one day and do you know what the other thing about that is the brain works in pictures which is why i always say you know, as soon as you say to a two-year-old, don't touch that, they're going to touch it because you've put into the brain that they're going to touch it. So that whole thing of behave for one day, just one day, it's immediately putting all kinds of images in your mind of, you of you know, what does behave mean? That's very anxiety. I've lost my teeth now. Make it. But B, it's sort of, you know, can you just be nice to Auntie Joan for just one day? Or can you just not do the I don't know whatever you normally do for one day and that immediately puts into your brain the thing that you you know you don't want to be doing or the being nice to auntie Jane oh I'm going to be nasty to her it kind of it kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy is what I'm going to say so again it's maybe avoiding that kind of pressure and those sorts of um and maybe just for try out the what I do want instead of what I do, don't want you know can you remember to offer Auntie Sally a drink and and sort of try and ignore her her jibe remarks or whatever it is that gets on your nerves and you know so it's, it's just constantly thinking what do we want our our family to be doing at Christmas rather than what we don't want them to be doing because that feels such um as you said such a pressure doesn't it yeah and also it's sort of a criticism because it's like saying you normally do that you normally behave really badly just be good for one day yeah yeah that's interesting isn't it? it is interesting how the human human brain works and we and suddenly that eight hours or longer is like the hardest eight hours in the world oh. it's like oh i don't know how i'm gonna get this you try to make that polite conversation yeah, if you're stuck with somebody that you don't really know and it become you have that awkward feeling. I'm going to take you back because you we talked about the emotional brain very briefly. And actually, as adults, we are big kids, really. And when our emotional brain kicks in, we do behave like or not behave like children, but in a more childlike way where our emotions take over. Yes, I think we behave probably worse than children. <laughs> There's no one to stop us and say that. Stop it. <laughs> And that's interesting, isn't it? Because there's not anybody to stop us. Because if we're a child, somebody would just say, you know, that's actually not acceptable behaviour. Absolutely. Please, can you think about what you're doing and, and take some time out to just get your emotional brain back under control and reflect on your behaviour. But we never say that um, to mum-in-law or Uncle Jim where, where they started shouting and just go, hang on a sec, actually, that is unacceptable behaviour. Please, could you just leave take yourself out of the situation let yeah. your emotions calm down and then we'll, we'll talk about that yeah Maybe. so yeah and, and perhaps we should do that i was going to think that'd be quite funny wouldn't it <laughs> we should do that, that. Him. yeah <laughs> but, 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 
Yeah, yeah, go and sit on the naughty step. But you don't have to go and sit on the naughty step, do you? You just have to take yourself out and recognize it. So for me, this this would be the third tip is to recognize how you what emotional triggers are pressed for you, especially. So what is it about a specific person either coming into your house or you going to their house? What is it about that that causes an emotional response? Because then then if you can feel it coming, you're more likely to be able to get hold of it. Uh, alcohol not included obviously because once you put a few glasses of uh, sherry into the mix then it's harder so much harder to catch hold of that emotional brain before it kicks in and it's really interesting the way different people respond to alcohol isn't it so you know some people um just get really jolly and friendly other people get very nasty and very unpleasant um and that's something to be alert to and other people can get far more anxious so far more touchy and um you know as you as you said the emotional brain is much more easily triggered once we've had a bit of relaxing or stimulating alcohol yeah and a lot of stuff that um you know it goes two ways either stuff can get dulled down or it can all it can all come up again mm. so i think it actually unleashes more pain that's what I think. What alcohol? Yeah, I think it does. I think it lifts things to the surface. Well, certainly with some people. Some people it does, yeah. Yeah, some people it does. And suddenly that the thing that you that you wouldn't normally say if you were completely rational just becomes the I'm saying it anyway. Yes, exactly that. And and unfortunately, you know, those are the sorts of times and instances that, that can create huge rifts in families. You know, we were talking earlier about how some people end up not speaking to, you know, family members, which for me is a complete anathema. But, um, you know, perhaps that's another tip is that if there has been any kind of an argument, keeping the line of communication open and being the first one to say, look, you know, let's let's not let this get between us and, and you know saying sorry sometimes I made a mistake I'm sorry even if it wasn't your fault and even if someone's been absolutely horrendous mm. um, which I know is difficult to do but I think it's it's about remembering that when people are in an anxious state or or alcohol state I bring it back to children to me you know it's what I said to be to you before children are never having tantrums and there's no such thing as attention seeking. It's attention needing. And adults are attention needing a lot as well. Um, and, the, and the tantrum is not a tantrum, it's a panic attack. So if we think of that in terms of anxiety and we stay curious about why that person or child, whatever age they are, is behaving like that, and we think there's some kind of anxiety here. What is? What are they anxious about? Why are they being so unpleasant? There must be there must be something going on here. And if I can name that, and so with the sprouts, for example, and my mum going back to those horrible sprouts, that I think was about me being in, you know, her coming to my house and her not being in control, and she was not knowing what to do with herself. So her anxiety, I suppose, there was that she was um, redundant. So what I could have done differently is said, mum, you do the sprouts. I'd love you to come and help me, you know? And maybe that would have made her feel more inclusive. So she didn't have to stand around going, oh, you're not doing it properly. 
So it's always about what is the anxiety and how can I help alleviate that anxiety? And with children, it's generally the pressure, isn't it, of thinking that they're going to be judged or um, kind of made to do something that they really don't want to do or that somebody's going to take something that they really, really wanted or they're going to be stopped from doing something that they really, really wanted. And again, it's about thinking, well, how can I, what, what can I put in place to avoid that? So as soon as I see someone beginning to have a panic attack about something, particularly a small child, it's like maybe saying, I can see you're really enjoying that game and dinner's going to be ready in about 10 minutes. So I'm going to tell you again in five minutes and then I'll tell you again at three minutes. OK, just so that, you know, it's back to what we said at the beginning It's communication, isn't it? And, and talking about it so that everybody knows exactly what's what's going to happen when. And with children with um, you know, additional needs, that's even more important. But I think we all need we all need a plan. We all need to know what's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I was just sitting there listening to you as you were talking about the children's fear and when uh, we were do doing hostage and crisis negotiation one of my mentors said to me if you can identify the loss or the perceived fear of the loss you'll be able to identify the crisis yeah. and that's exactly what you were just explaining there you know we don't we don't even think about what might be going on so your your mum on reflection might well have been feeling redundant and that perhaps even useless yeah that she wasn't didn't have a role anymore so where was her purpose on Christmas day um I certainly know with my dad so my dad uh, lost his leg at the beginning of the year and he, he can't drive and now he's eight he's 82 but he still talks about driving because it's not about driving it's about independence and yes. feeling of purpose and feeling of worth and where do I fit into this world so I think point four that you just made very beautifully there Janfia was about um looking at the world from another person's view yeah and putting yourself in their shoes and thinking okay before before I answer back with what I would normally do I'm just going to reflect on I wonder what's actually going on for them mm. how are they seeing this situation at the moment how are they seeing this world and and for me personally that has worked so well so well where I can take myself out of the situation and just go I'd like to tell you I do it all the time be able to press that big pause button and walk away from an emotional re response but that would be a complete lie as you know but when I can do it and I go okay what what's created this response because I don't know and then like you can say I always say say what you see say what you hear so then I can say yeah. you know it sounds like you're really frustrated about not being able to drive dad yeah. I am I'm really frustrated and then we can have an open honest conversation rather than me just going you're not driving don't be ridiculous Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you're spot on there. It's, it's, it's what I say to my staff is be curious, not furious. Oh, great. Lovely saying. Yeah. Before you get furious, get curious. And that just switches it off. It is the language that you, you use and, you know, like attention needing, you know, or, or even attachment seeking. Because when we're attention needing, we, we're wanting to feel attached. We want to be close. So, if you just flip what it is 
then that somehow helps. And certainly I think with tantrums, if I just think panic, this is a panic or an anxiety attack. Yeah. And that helps them deal with it very differently. You know, and it's, as, as you said before, when we're emotionally flooded, there's actually no point in doing anything except acknowledge because no one's going to hear you. No one's going to listen until they can actually sort of see through it again. But when they're like this, you just, it's just literally going over their head. Yeah. Because they can't process it. No. That's right. A lot of people do this reasoning with small children who are having tantrums and it's pointless, absolutely pointless. All they need is to be brought back to a feeling of safety because they're feeling really safe. Adults too, you know, really unsafe. So yeah. when they're brought back to a feeling of safety and security, then you can get through to them. You've just, um, I'm just looking at my phone because I made a note the other day. I was listening to um, a I was part of a clubhouse talk around something very similar here. And it's that it's actually called something. The Window of Tolerance by uh -huh. Daniel Segal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How safe we feel has a direct impact on our behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, it's for me, it's nearly always about anxiety. Somebody is anxious or feels unsafe about something and if we can work out what it is they're feeling unsafe about mm. then we can get there I mean it's even you know when guests walk into your house sometimes I can tell sometimes so they're sort of you know that kind of thing that they're doing where they're like and they're holding a bag and it's like where do I put my coat yeah. put my bag so that's why you know go oh, let me take your bag let me take your coat and we do that kind of almost automatically yeah. but if only we could do that you know even even further with all the other things like the sprouts and the cars and the, you know, whatever, if we could really train our brains to think that. And the other thing that I've realized recently, particularly with children, is about asking people how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Because then we'll get the information that we need back. So maybe when, you know, my mum was doing the sprouts, if I'd said then, that, how are you feeling right at the moment? She might have lied, of course, and said, I'm feeling very annoyed, but it's about what's, 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 why are the sprouts so important? What's, what are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, if you, if you'd have just said it like that, like, you know, mum, I notice you're getting a bit anxious about the sprouts. Yeah. Not sure this is about the sprouts. Are you okay? How are you feeling? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it is nearly always about feeling, isn't it? And we, we often, well, we quite often tell people how they're feeling, yep. you know, particularly children. <laughs> which is not very acknowledging at all. Yeah. But sometimes with feelings and small children, it's, it's quite, even if you say, oh, you sound like you're feeling really cross, very often they'll say, I'm not feeling cross, I'm just tired or I'm just fed up or frustrated. So at least you get the feeling back. So that's why I think it's really important to ask about feelings. And even if you name feelings and get it wrong, it's actually not wrong because quite often you'll get the one that it really is back yeah yeah i love that i'm going to put that as point five um in the world of negotiation we call it emotional labeling so right. picking up on somebody's feelings and labeling it and as you say they'll never um they'll never berate you for getting it wrong they'll just say no that's not right i'm feeling this yes because yeah. what, what happens when we acknowledge people's emotions is is we validate them for them yeah. So that they're able to go, oh, am I feeling that? No, actually, I'm not feeling that, but I am feeling this. Okay, I'm feeling this. That's great. 
because sometimes when we are in a crisis or suffering from anxiety we can't work out what it is we're feeling and yeah. so when the brain is able to slow down and reflect on what it is that we're actually feeling it, uh, it helps us to then deal with it because now I know what I'm feeling now I've just got to work out what's making me feel that way yeah and then that helps me to gain more control and I can look at it from a different perspective so that emotion is we were saying that's up here starts to come down and now I'm going okay I'm feeling like this what's making me feel like this okay well what can I what can I do about it yeah and then we can start to take back that control yeah there's a lovely um activity you can do with children which is really simple is you get a jar mm -hmm. of water and you put some PVA glue in it and some glitter and I can't remember how much, but it'll be on the um, internet if anyone is interested. And you shake it up really hard. And when you shake it up really hard, what you make is all the glitter go everywhere. And of course you can't see through the jar then. And it takes some time for the glitter to settle at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But if you actually nudge the glitter, it'll go back up again very quickly. And that's, that's what, what we as parents sometimes do is we, we, we haven't got the patience to wait for the glitter to fully settle before we start nudging with whatever it is that we wanted to have happen but I think that's really helpful for children to be able to see that glitter jar and sometimes to have it and to go away and just look at it and watch that it's quite um you know it's a bit like deep breathing or, or yeah. meditation is watching the glitter falling back down to the bottom of the jar and then you can see clearly through the jar it's quite a good way of explaining it to to children I think yeah, that's a good that's a great idea for it so for anybody listening that's got got children then that's a, a top tip to just go and google the amounts what what else as we approach Christmas coming up specifically for children and parenting what what other tips would you be able to give people as the, as the, the kids are getting hyper the parents are getting tired we're not even I would say the big thing that I'm about to blog about is I know it sounds really logical but but people forget is the beauty of outdoors and there's so many benefits of just getting outside. And I know when it's cold, it's much more tempting, and particularly when you've had a glass of drink. But, you know, I actually think that our ancestors knew this because a lot of people have this family tradition that they go for a walk on Boxing Day. And I think that's because, you know, you might have had a Christmas day where you've had those eight hours and there's all these feelings brewing up and you go outside and you go for a lot, you blow it all away. Yeah. And the other thing about walking is you're walking side by side. And I don't know about you, but conversations happen when you're like that rather than when you're like, you know, conference, you know, face to face, when you're shoulder to shoulder. Even if sometimes in a car, I remember with my children, I could talk about things that were, and still do now, that are a bit touchy. But if you're side to side, it's much easier to talk about. So going for a really great walk in nature, work putting your wellies on and splashing in those puddles, finding a tree you can grab hold of and swing in, and all that those sort of good old-fashioned stuff, climbing things that perhaps you wouldn't normally climb. Um, and going for a longer walk than you would normally go for. I know there are some people that actually take all their clothes off and go wild swimming in these freezing cold waters, which apparently is very good for you. But um, I think I might stop short of there. But yeah, nature is the thing that I'm that I think is really important. There's lots of time outside. Yeah. Um, because you know when we're indoors, even when we're playing games, um, and some people love games and some people hate games. Yeah. 
there's another family tradition yet. Yeah, I know, and 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 I'm not a big game player. I don't really like it, um, but my the rest of my family love it. So you know, I always try and join in at least one, and then I'll go and do the washing up or something. And I think that's because I was an only child, so I find you know the big raucous games. And I've got three children and a very competitive husband who was one of four. <laughs> so you know, he's used to all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and as an only child, you know, I found it really difficult when my children had squabbles and things like that. Um, but yeah, so, so I think going for lovely walks and, and getting the children outside and trying to find things that they can do outside. Also trying to, um, you know, let go of things like mess, I think, and just accept that it's going to be a mess and that children are going to, there's going to be stuff everywhere. If you're Again, like me, I can't bear, I can't sit in it if it's too messy. So I have big black plastic bags everywhere that I can then put the um, wrapping paper into and I make sure that I move the plates and stuff. Um, and that's me. I think we all have our little things, don't we? I'm obsessively kind of, um, well, not obsessively, but I do like things to be neat and tidy. But, you know, I have to accept that Christmas is just not going to be it's not going to be, it's going to be a mess. So it's about just trying to let go, breathe out and accept that once the hoard's gone, then you can get things back into the way that you want to do it. And you're not constantly making it uncomfortable for people by moving their plates away or grabbing their Christmas paper before they've even unwrapped the present, you know? Yeah, yeah, that would be me. I would be standing there like, wait, wait, paper to fall. And put it in. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose it's, those are my two relaxing and using outdoors. Because that's, again, if the house is a mess, go outdoors, be in nature, and you just think, oh, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think with that whole outdoors thing, so I'm going to put that down as tip number six is to get outside and relax and enjoy the outside. With that whole outdoors thing, so for some people, they will be the person that says, uh, oh, no, you'll go and have fun and I'll stay and tidy up. Yeah. So yeah, so if that sounds like you, just see if you can leave the tidying up just for a little while and go and go and have some fun outside. Sometimes I think as adults, we actually forget how to have fun. We become very serious, don't we? And we forget what it's like to laugh. We forget that it's okay to have a mess that, you know, it's actually all right. Absolutely. Just the moment. Playing with our children is so important because Children love playing with adults. They absolutely love it. And actually you can move them forward. So, you, you, you know, by, by actually spending some time playing, you're helping yourself and you're releasing the, you know, the chemicals in your brain that are the feel-good chemicals. Um, but you're also helping to develop your child because by, by helping them just communicating, you're improving their vocabulary, that you're giving them that attention and time, you're joining in their games and you are, back to the whole control thing you're giving them the control so if they're saying you know let's play follow the leader through the woods or or you know let's see if we can collect lots of leaves and so you're following their lead then you're giving control back to the child mm. and that's that is one of the key things in every life situation i think is is control that's what causes um you know it's back to the sprouts in my month yeah you know, it's always about control yeah. And I think children have very little control. And so the more we can give them in those instances, the better for them in terms of developmental and self-awareness and self-understanding. 
Um, so yeah, so play is just such a great thing to do with our children, just to take time off for ourselves and for our children and just play. Yeah. There's, um, no, I can't remember what study it is, but I know there's been some research done and actually they found that 15 minutes a week, so not even a day, of letting your child determine what you're going to do so have that special 15 minutes for the behavior change Absolutely. yeah so when you ask your child to do something later on in the day or later on in the week they're yeah fascinating that's why we have we let the children do as they like you know, <laughs> what, what we do we actually let them set the guidelines for safe play so every new group of children we have yeah. We'll sit down at the beginning and say, okay, you know, what do you think would be good kind of guidelines, not really rules, but guidelines that the rest of us follow? And they make them up. They come up with the lines. Of course, we encourage and we say, well, you know, what about when you go out? What do you think we should be doing? And, and, and what about when one person wants to play something and another person wants to play with it? What do you think we should be doing then? So we ask them questions and they come up with so many great ideas yeah. for, for negotiation and communication. Um, and we also, we have, when we do our staff recruitment, um, if somebody's on a three-job trial, they have to get a, 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 a reference from one of the children that they've been, at least one, that they've been um, kind of dealing with. No worries. Uh, staff appraisals as well. So when we've got a staff appraisal form and they have to go and get a comment from, again, a child that knows them or knows them well to see how they've done in that particular yeah. event that they've had. So we do give children a lot of, um, it's got a name apparently, I've been doing it for years, but it's now a new thing and it begins <laughs> with an S, I know, um, can't remember what it's called, but it's where, it's where you allow the children to have control. And of course, I've been doing this now for 30 years, you get great behaviour. Yeah. You know, we have children who come to us who, you know, I've got behaviour report things from school and they're being taken to court and you know and the parents come and say oh how was he how was he was it was it all right and I go it was absolutely fine not a problem yeah. really why don't understand it well the difference is is we're not trying to we're not a not expecting and b we're not trying to control and, and stop children from doing anything so if children say they want to do something then within reason we'll just say well you risk assess it so that's the other thing we do we get them to risk assess everything and sometimes with some children who won't do things, who, who are too nervous to do things, we do the risk benefit. So Because right. quite often, and that's quite, maybe that's another tip, is when you're with a family who says, oh no, we don't let our children do that, you can work out some benefits of doing it. So you just change people's yeah. thoughts. I remember a, a lady who, who came to me and I hadn't thought about it from London and we'd moved to the country from London and she came to visit with her children and she said, you're not going to let them go across the fields on their own are you um and i and i said well yeah you let them get on a bus and go up to ali pali on their own yeah but that's different there's lots of people there's no one around in the fields and i'd never thought of that before mm. so that was another interesting perspective on you know how people think about things differently yeah yeah very much so yeah and also i suppose again is how much um control we feel comfortable with giving our children and I understand that my where I come from and my where I am is not necessarily doesn't feel comfortable to to everyone mm. that's because of you know a their background or b where they live or their environment or whatever yeah so it's about balance and communication yeah 
and, and, and we keep coming back to it the whole time is the word communication is keeping that flowing talking to people before during after love what you said about that side by side certainly um i have a 15 year old in my life all the good conversations have come where she's felt comfortable i've read some uh, child psychology books so meg came into my life when she was six and i was in my early 40s so i had a very set way you know i I knew how to bring up children before I had a child in my life. <laughs> I was an excellent parent and then I had a child in my life. But it's been great because I've learned so much from her and also being able to practice all of my communication and negotiation skills, which sometimes worked uh, when I got it right and other times haven't, when I've not been quite as logical and far more emotional. But mm. yeah, there's lots of evidence to suggest that Again, it comes back to that feeling safe, doesn't it? So when you say to somebody, right, when you sit down and have a chat, that immediately, because I know how that feels when, you know, if I had to go and speak to the boss, oh, Nick, I need to chat with you. Okay, great. Are you going to tell me what that's about? You're just going to leave me hanging for the next half an hour before I come into your office. Yeah, and what happens most of the time is we're left hanging. So we make up a story, don't we, in our heads? Oh, yeah. And then when we get there, it's like, oh, it wasn't about Yeah, that's, that's right. It's all okay. So, but it's the same with our, our children. You know, we say to them, right, I need to sit down and have, have a conversation with you. They're immediately, they have the same inner dialogue that we have as adults, you know, uh, going through the, their minds. So that relaxed whole space of having a drive, of, of, of being somewhere, being out for a walk, it just generates and allows that safety, again, that word safety and control of having that conversation without it being a pressurised conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting as well, one thing about that, I read something recently which I found really helpful, which is that um, when we're in our head, we're thinking about the future all the time and then we're thinking, what if, what if, what if? So something like the scenario you just mentioned, you know, I want to have a chat with you. We're thinking, oh my God, what if this or what if that or what if the other? And then when we're in our hearts, it's quite often thinking about the past Mm -hmm. So, oh, that chat that I just had, you know, I felt really upset when that person said to me, um, I'm going to use something now. Interestingly, yesterday I was um, somewhere and I've been, you know, ruminating on it because it really hurt me was that my uncle said to me that he thought my mum has got worse since she's been staying with me. And I, I kind of know where it's coming from and, and, and why. Um, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm making my mother worse. Um, and I am in a way, because what it is, is I'm doing too much for her. Right. Yeah. When she's in her own home and she's independent, she has to get up and make a cup of tea. But of course she's here. So we're making her meals and getting her tea. And so consequently her legs are not, not working the way they used to work. And so from my uncle, he's coming from a point of view of feeling anxious about my mom, mm -hmm. um, probably anxious that he might have to help to look after her, but that's another story. <laughs> so do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I can see it all playing out in front of yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so when we're in our head, it's all what ifs. And when we're in our hearts, it's all kind of hurt and emotion. And that really hurt me when he said that and how dare you say that to me. And so our lungs, and the breathing, which is why breath is so important, and taking a few breaths brings us back into our bodies and into, our, into the here and now. 
And so just taking, and I've always thought, you know, people always say, oh, use the breathing and breathing and breathe out, which I understand works, but a bit of it is a little bit like, oh, for God's sake, I've got time to do that right now. <laughs> but actually, as soon as you do start taking deep breaths, you go, you, you pull yourself away from your head or your heart and you go into your body mm. and it's back to being, I'm alive and I'm here and I'm now. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's no point in going, what if, what if? And there's no point dwelling or ruminating on the pain of what somebody said. And actually, I'm here, I'm on now. And sometimes when we ruminate, or certainly when I ruminate, just stopping for a second, just having that um, ability to stop, to focus on something else, and breathing is a good thing to focus on, um, breaks the pattern. Mm-hmm. And the same with the what if. It breaks the pattern yeah. and allows your brain to go somewhere else. And so you can you can release yourself from it. So that's what it is. Breathing is a release, I think. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I think that's a brilliant way to kind of wrap up today's session. I could seriously sit here and just talk about this for quite a long time. But yeah, about pressing that big pause button that yeah. on the Christmas on Christmas Day, if you find yourself becoming anxious. Um, and that you feel yourself with your emotional brain kicking in is just to find a way of grounding yourself. Breathing is a great thing to do because you can do it just there and then and just take a few big deep breaths to ground yourself and and be present in the now. And so, you know, we spend we spend not that long here in the world in the comparison of things. And most of the time, as you say, we're either thinking in the future or worrying about the past, neither of which we have any control of. <laughs> one's happened and one hasn't happened and might not happen so the only thing we can control is uh, as Stephen Covey said you know look at your circles of influence what yeah. can you control and I think as we approach Christmas here in 2021 and, and people are, are feeling a little bit anxious anyway uh, listening to the news and all the things that are going on in the world is to mm. just control the controllables and be in the now and mm. I think that is probably a perfect way of ending it today thank you so much for your time hey everybody nikki again hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me you can find me on social media at nikki comms coach at twitter and the communication coach on facebook and the communicationcoach.co.uk please like share and review and i look forward to speaking to you soon